0: There's joy in every journey. The best little happy hour is at the best little upscale neighborhood joint in Kansas City, Red Door Grill. Get in here weekdays for house-made margaritas, mojitos, Cosmos, and Moscow mules. Find us in Leewood, Brookside, and Overland Park or online at reddoorgrill.com. Mm-hmm. In the late 1990s, Kansas City was at a crossroads. It could take a step forward and become a great, world-class city, or it could continue to lag behind and become no better than Des Moines, Iowa, or Omaha, Nebraska, and risk losing big-time events, not just from a sports standpoint, but from a national standpoint as well. And then Kay Barnes was elected mayor, and her goal was to create a downtown that everybody could be proud of, that everybody could love, and everybody could take advantage of. Well, what happened with downtown, I'm sure, blew the mind of K. Barnes and everybody that was involved in bringing Sprint Center, Power & Light, and the new Convention Center Hotel to downtown Kansas City. On the latest edition of the Red Door Grill, KC Bobcast, we sit down with the former mayor of Kansas City, K. Barnes. Well, as we're taping this, we're getting ready for the Big 12 Tournament in Kansas City. And every time I think of the Big 12 Tournament in Kansas City, I immediately think about you and everything you did for downtown. So... As you're driving here today out to beautiful, lovely Mission, Kansas, and you go through downtown, what are you thinking when you go through downtown, seeing the way that it looks today compared to when you took over as mayor back in the late 1990s?
1: It's really exciting to see all of the changes that have occurred downtown. And when we were putting together what ended up being the vision for a newer downtown, one of the first things in my mind always was a Big 12 tournament. I grew up in St. Joseph, Missouri. My father, part of the time I was growing up, was a high school football and basketball coach. I was an only child, so I learned X's and O's before I learned the alphabet. So the Big 12 tournament, which was initially what? Big six, big seven, all of the different variations has always been really important to me. It's so exciting to see the downtown booming with activity and excitement this week.
0: When you had the the moment, the like aha moment, I guess a lot of people could say that exact moment when you realized revitalizing downtown needed to happen and that was going to be your priority. Do you remember that day waking up where you go, this is it, this is what I'm going to get behind and this is what I want to run on and build my legacy about?
1: Well that didn't happen that way. <laughs> the reason it didn't was because it was an evolving vision that was really shared with so many other people. Leaders in the private sector who saw the need, other elected officials. It was really a joint vision and I think those are the best kind really because once you get buy-in from a critical mass of people and organizations it's a lot easier to get things done.
0: Mm-hmm. Was it easier to be in politics back then than maybe it is now, with with no social media really out there and just the you know the regular old newspaper and radio and television out there? Was it easier to kind of get things through and get things accomplished? And because it seems now, no matter what you want to do, there's pushback. People are against it for just because they want to be against it. Do you feel feel it was easier back then?
1: It may have been somewhat easier in that there were enough responsible media outlets who really uh, wanted to understand to learn I had great conversations with different people in the sports media community who were very supportive of what we were trying to do so perhaps it was a little easier to counter misconceptions and quote fake news
0: yeah I, I would imagine so because now if somebody puts it out on Twitter or Facebook or somewhere like that. People take that kind of stuff as gospel, and they don't want to figure out, is this real? Is there more to the story? We just want to make our kind of minds up based on the headline we read right now.
1: Another part of that, too, that makes it so difficult is that it is normally not simplistic in terms of making big things happen. It's usually a very complex, complicated process. So that, again, I think in today's world is often difficult to communicate to people.
0: So did you have that kind of approach by yourself to, to make downtown a priority? You said it was a combination effort. Was there a meeting that took place? Like, How did it all start to come about to develop, to get the idea going, to get to where we are today?
1: Dozens and dozens of meetings with all kinds of folks. Certainly one good example related to the sports world is that Just prior to my going into office, uh, I had been involved in the Greater Kansas City Sports Commission, not in any kind of leadership role, simply as an active, interested member. Mm -hmm. And at that time, the commission was discussing in great detail the potential of a new arena. And the big question at that time was, could we have a new arena that would be successful without an NBA or NHL franchise? So the commission commissioned a study that was done in great detail about whether or not we could do it with or without a professional franchise. The results of that study told us that yes, we could. That was a very important early step in the process of what obviously then evolved over the years into the Sprint Center. One of the most successful arenas in the country, Mm -hmm. I would add
0: and and the world actually yes, too yes actually and 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 that kind of goes back to a little bit of fake news because people believe that we're still owed an NBA or NHL team and and people assumed and thought i think at the time that we were guaranteed one of those properties. Here we are now a decade-plus later. We don't have one. I'm in the sports world, and I don't think we need one because of how good the arena has done on its own. Take us through the backstory of the NBA, NHL, and why people perceive that we're still expected to get one of those teams here.
1: Obviously, there was a lot of talk at that time as we were beginning to visualize the Sprint Center and go through the whole process of getting it built that we would need even though the study earlier had indicated we did not need a a professional franchise. At that time, working closely with AEG, Tim Liewicki and the other leadership of that very successful international sports oriented organization, we were in contact with NHL leadership and NBA leadership on a regular basis uh, multiple trips to New York City to meet in their corporate offices attempting to really identify Kansas City ownership which ended up being the one thing we didn't have which we needed to have for either NHL or NBA and a quick anecdote about the NBA that was so interesting to me the individual who was the head of the whole NBA operation at that time was David Stern who had been there for a long time and was considered rightfully so to be the guru of professional basketball we had been a little concerned during that period of time when it became apparent that an Oklahoma City native had bought the Seattle Sonics and there was speculation oh dear What's going to happen? Are they going to move that NBA team to Oklahoma City? Well, guess what? In the middle of all of that consternation, I received a telephone call from David Stern in my office at City Hall. He said to me in David Stern way, which was often very direct and almost stern, I want you to know, okay, that under no circumstance will there ever be an NBA franchise in Oklahoma City. And obviously things turned around and a very successful franchise has been in Oklahoma City almost ever since that was all about an owner a buyer who had a personal investment in a community and successfully moved the franchise to Oklahoma City we have great owners in our professional franchises in Kansas City so to find another terrific owner or set of owners perhaps was an unrealistic expectation. The good news is, as you alluded to, the Sprint Center is highly successful.
0: Well, and I I find that story to be awesome because... It sounds like what I preach all the time on the air about why we don't have a team. It's because we never really found that owner to bring that team here to Kansas City. Had there been an owner back then, and and the guy that we had in, for hockey didn't go to jail, I guess, yes. we probably would have had a franchise here in Kansas City.
1: Uh, yes, I think that's very likely. I think everyone understands that franchises are really, really expensive. The NBA is over the top in terms of cost. And it would have lessened, in either case, dramatically the number of nights available at the Sprint Center for other concerts and what, again, has enabled us to have such a successful operation.
0: So when you were meeting with the NHL and NBA, what were they saying about Kansas City? What was their kind of thought and feel for the city?
1: I think the attitude toward Kansas City was very positive because, again, of the long-term success of the Royals and the Chiefs and also increasing interest in soccer. So uh, there were no major negatives about the region, recognizing that if we had an NBA or NHL franchise in Kansas City, it would pull from a four to six state region in terms of audience. So it was, again, back to the lack of ownership that was surfacing in Kansas City.
0: If an owner came around today and said, I wanna move a team to Kansas City, do you think that would happen?
1: That's a good question. I have no idea. It would depend on so many variables. It would depend on, obviously, the ownership, the franchise, the response of the community, perhaps Mm -hmm. even at this time. And AEG is still the operator and booker and so on for the Sprint Center. It's so interesting. We have, in my opinion, the world's greatest general manager, Brenda Mm Tinan, at the Sprint Center, who used to run the Staples Center with its NHL franchise and two NBA franchises all at the same time plus concerts.
0: Yeah.
1: So we are so fortunate to have her. She is the rock star, really, in both, both indoor sports and concerts.
0: I saw a quote from you, and it was, we did not have a choice. It was a necessity when talking about redeveloping downtown. What happens if... You aren't so bullish in that and the city, you know, kind of latches on to you. Where are we today as a city if you guys don't just kind of pile through and start getting everything done downtown?
1: It's scary to think about. Our tourism and convention business was already beginning to dip as a result of there not being much of a there there in downtown Kansas City when people came out of the convention center. So... I really can't imagine that it would have been anything other but a gradually deteriorating even further uh, environment and I've always compared the downtown of the largest city in any region in the country as being the heart of the region and just as the heart in an individual needs to be healthy The heart of a region needs to be healthy, and I'm delighted that we now have a healthy heart.
0: Yeah, it's fun, and and it's great, because I think the first time I came to Kansas City, I I went to KU in in 1995, and I remember driving through downtown going, where's it at? You know, there's there's like nothing here. And then the fights over Kemper Arena and getting new Sprint Center and and being here as all of this was being developed and seeing this town just kind of like really grow up right before our eyes and become a destination town now – I mean, you have to take that as kind of a, a badge and, and smile every time you think about that.
1: Well, I do feel good about it. And one of the things I learned throughout that entire process is that a bold vision is easier to sell than a medium-sized one. So that, as I alluded to earlier, developing a critical mass of developers, some of them who were willing to take the early risks on taking the old buildings downtown, turning them into apartments and condos. They were critical. H&R Block, the Cordish Company with the Power and Light District, early discussions about a performing arts center, and then looking what has happened since with all of the ancillary developments, north, south, east, and west from the downtown. It's evident that we've ended up Mm -hmm. with a very bold vision and yet we didn't have the luxury of doing that one by one by one. We really needed to start this whole process moving several large projects forward at the same time.
0: It's interesting you bring up H&R Block because that's third on my list of what I wanted to talk to you about and and I'm reading about everything that went on. I just I love reading about downtown Kansas City. I love just the whole process of how it became what it is today And obviously you got H&R Block on board early. Did they laugh you off the phone when you called and said, how about building downtown? Like, did they laugh you right out of the building?
1: It's such an interesting story because we became aware at City Hall that H&R Block needed to find a new location. They were really growing and people were spreading out from a single location and they wanted to bring everybody back together. So a meeting was arranged with Andy Udras, who at that time was head of our Economic Development Corporation, and myself to meet with Mark Ernst and some of the other leadership at H&R Block. And we were advised, and I don't remember by whom, not to even bring up downtown because that was something that apparently, through a study that had already been done of H&R Block employees, they did not want to come downtown. So we had the luncheon, and we were talking about every conceivable kind of location except downtown. And
0: you couldn't help yourself, could you?
1: I didn't bring it up. Mark Ernst brought it up. At the very end of the conversation, he said, well, what about downtown? Where that was coming from, I don't know. But I give him and his team enormous credit because they went through a whole process with their employee base to tell the story, to provide information, to help them understand why what ended up being a downtown location would work for everyone. I'll always remember probably a year or more after that initial luncheon when the final announcement was going to be made. They had a huge luncheon I attended, and with balloons and lots of excitement, the entire employee base of H&R Block stood up and cheered for what would be their world headquarters in downtown Kansas City. It was an amazing
0: experience. So once he brought that up to you, you're like, all right, game on. This can now be the beginning of what we need to do to develop this area.
1: Well, that's true. It was a really important ingredient. And part of their requirements were that there be an entertainment district, that they not be building something in isolation. And that was yet another reason why we needed to move these multiple projects forward at the same time.
0: You know, growing up, my mother always told me it, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And that kind of brings us to your connection with Phil Anschutz, who was like your waiter at the sorority house at KU. And now <laughs> That's all of right. a sudden he's, he's running <laughs> this major company. And you're like, hey, that guy used to serve me like chicken fried steak. You need to build an arena here in Kansas City. Is that well, how that story yes, went Yes, Phil
1: is a great guy. And we have chuckled about it since. Those of us who are alums of that particular sorority Often joke that Phil was really a missed opportunity.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no question about that. Right? That's true. <laughs> you guys looked at him like this guy's serving meals and doing <laughs> our dishes. He's never going to amount to <laughs> anything, right?
1: <laughs> well, I hope, hopefully, we were not that um, out of it. But uh, he is a terrific guy, and he and his team, AEG, has been a superb partner with us ever since.
0: What was that conversation first like with him when you picked up the phone and then said all right we got H&R Block ready to come down here. You want to build an arena? Did he remember who you were at first? Well
1: the conversation really didn't begin with Phil. It began with Tim Liawicki who at that time was the CEO for Anschutz Entertainment Group in LA and as some may recall Tim and his brothers had had a very successful set of careers in Kansas City in previous decades particularly with sports activities and marketing efforts for Kansas City. And a a few people in Kansas City had maintained their relationship with Tim, including Herb Kahn, an attorney in Kansas City, and someone with whom I was working very closely on a couple of these projects. Mm -hmm. So Herb said to me one day early on, you know we ought to give uh, Tim a call and see if by any chance AEG might be interested in being our private partner on a new arena. We knew we had to have a private partner to make it work financially. So we called Tim and I remember the conversation so clearly. Tim said, oh, I love Kansas City. You know how much I love Kansas City. And under no circumstance would we ever be interested in a private partnership on a new arena. They were building the O in London at that time, a new arena in Berlin. They were literally working all over the world. So Herb and I didn't want to give up on it. So to make a very long story short, we did not end up traveling to L.A., meeting with Tim. He began to understand what might be possible. And then finally, what happened was uh, Tim obviously working with Phil Realized that perhaps the a new arena in Kansas City could be used as a model for other new arenas they might engage in building around the country so that's how it happened it was a definite no at the beginning so was the Cordish company a definite no in coming to Kansas City to build what ended up being the largest entertainment district they had ever done at that time.
0: The Cordish Company was a know I See, I thought they would be a slam dunk. Sure, give us a couple of tax breaks and we'll take care of everything. And why were they originally, a Noah and what kind of swayed them?
1: I think it was partly because they didn't know that much about Kansas City. Mm -hmm. They didn't see it as being the kind of market that would warrant the kinds of developments they liked to do. It all went back to relationships again. Andy Udras, who was then our economic development director, had been an intern with David Cordish when David was in Washington decades before Mm. heading up a portion of HUD. So Andy and David had had a good relationship at that time. Again, a conference call. I remember vividly. David Cordish was so happy to hear from Andy. How are you doing? That kind of conversation. When Andy brought up what we were interested in, David said, You know, there's really no way that we would ever be interested in doing entertainment district in Kansas City. I appreciate you calling about it. Andy said, Well, in a couple of weeks, the mayor and I are going to be in Washington for a conference. Would it be okay if we drove over to Baltimore where the Cordish is based and just say hi and maybe take a look at some of the work you're doing? David was very responsive. That's exactly what we did. And that's how the door began to open.
0: I mean, Buck O'Neill had the saying, I think, and maybe the title of his book, I was right on time. It sounds like you could say the same thing for Kansas city. Like, you were right on time. If it it wasn't for the timing and relationships and all of that, who knows where we would be right now? Like I believe everything happens for a reason. I think we're sitting here today figuring out why you were the mayor of Kansas City when you were, right?
1: Well, I I hope that that's the case. Uh, I certainly learned a lot in the process. I want to give enormous credit to really hundreds, even thousands of people and I sometimes get pushback when I say that I'm very sincere about that. One of the things I feel best about, for example, is that as mayor I was able to appoint literally hundreds of people to over a hundred boards and commissions that were under and still are the jurisdiction of Kansas City, Missouri. And when I think about the people who headed up our Parks and Recreation Board, who headed up the Port Authority who headed up the TIFF Commission. The list goes on and on. These were people who, as volunteers, were so much on board with what we were all engaged in and really made everything possible.
0: Which door was easiest to knock down, H&R Block, Cordish, or AEG?
1: Oh, my. That is a difficult question. I don't know that I could give you uh, an answer to that, maybe other than H&R Block, simply because it was a single office building mm-hmm. rather than all of the drama and detail that goes into either an entertainment district or the Sprint Center. Uh, certainly those partnerships were solid and continue to be so. Obviously Sprint, as our naming sponsor, so to speak, for the Sprint Center was another very important part of the equation.
0: Were they easy? Were they on board right away too?
1: They were certainly really interested. And so, to that extent, it, it was uh, an easier process to work through. Again, terrific partners.
0: At that time, you guys were developing downtown. It was all starting to come together. Word started to leak out that, oh, we may build a baseball stadium downtown. And the renderings were there. The drawings were there. It looked like it was going to happen. Then all of a sudden, there was like pushback. Well, maybe we should just stay at the sports complex. What happened with the emergence of a baseball stadium downtown?
1: It was approximately 15 years ago. It was during my second term as mayor, as I recall. And... You're right, there had been a very detailed study done which clearly showed what the advantages would be to have the Royal Stadium downtown, including financial advantages to the ownership. Again, we sat down one day with David Glass, and the presentation was made regarding the study. He heard us out graciously, and then the feedback we received after that was that he was not interested so when the owner says no then that's the end of the process so to see it bubble up again now is interesting I -hmm. think it has some legs that perhaps it didn't have before whether that would be a good move or not uh, I could argue certainly that it would be I could also understand resistance to moving it where it continues to have a, a pretty successful life where it is so what will happen in the future I don't know
0: well, t- sell me on why when you were talking to David glass that was the right move at the time to sell the Royals on downtown because I think we could probably use that now I'm all in favor of moving downtown in fact I've already told you it's done it's happening just go about your day because we're moving downtown but from a, a former mayor that sat in that seat that had the opportunity to meet with the owner Tell me what you told him, why it was good, and what their reservations were at the time.
1: Well, I think the study clearly showed what the advantages would be to the ownership, let alone, of course, the synergy that would be created in the downtown for all of the venues and so on. As I recall our conversations, one of the major factors in his mind was that the season ticket holder base for the Royals at that time was in Johnson County even southern Johnson County so from his perspective it perhaps did not make sense to move that base even further away from where they lived to downtown Kansas City Missouri Mm -hmm. I'm sure there were other reasons I do remember though that being a major point that he made. I think one of the challenges at this point is if this moves forward and I would love to see it happen is that the acquisition of adequate land in whatever downtown or near downtown location would be chosen needs to begin to be addressed now. Maybe that's being done behind closed doors and I'm not aware of it. That's certainly possible and yet with the burgeoning success of the greater downtown, there are likely to be fewer and fewer viable locations available.
0: One of the things you dealt with, I'm sure, when you built the Sprint Center and all of downtown, and I think it's it's the one thing that we hear about all the time. In fact, it drives me nuts. Where am I going to park? Like people are so worried about where they're going to park. What do you, you're laughing. What do you, what do you tell where we're going to, where am I going to park guy when he says that? Because that's the only thing that they have to come back with when you say downtown, where am I going to park?
1: Some of the congestion is literally unavoidable. It just goes with the territory. I don't care in what city you live, whether it's New York City or San Antonio, there are going to be congestion issues related to particularly automobiles. So that's not an excuse, it's reality. Another issue is that, Many people coming into the downtown for events are not aware of the multiple parking options there are available, particularly in the evening. So there have been efforts on the part of the downtown council and other groups to educate people about where the parking is. As far as I know, the studies still show if you add it all up, there's adequate parking. It doesn't feel that way. And I was in a board meeting on which I served recently, and part of the conversation was moving this musical group from one of their nights in downtown to Johnson County. The discussion around the table by two or three people was, well, there's just no people place for people to park and there are too many people. And then somebody said, hey, wait a minute, everybody around the table looked at me and we all laughed because we would have been complaining 15 years ago about a very different set of circumstances.
0: Well, and it's funny because I think, if I'm not mistaken, and I've seen these numbers on the Visit KC website, it's like 45,000 parking spots in the downtown loop itself that's not including the river market or crown center or anything like that which is more than double what we have at a kaufman and arrowhead stadium right now and you can't get in the arrowhead without having to, you know to pull your hair out you know
1: yes that's true having pulled my hair out there recently yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so so parking to me that's not a fair negative why we shouldn't do a downtown stadium what else did you kind of run into when people complained about a new arena downtown or even the ballpark back then in 2003 or 4 whatever it was of being downtown?
1: I don't recall a lot of controversy about certainly having a downtown arena. I always remember <clears throat> as example when the arena was completed and it was due to open with the first event in a couple of days that the AEG leadership had announced that there would be a public open house of the Sprint Center from like 10 in the morning till 5 in the afternoon so that anyone could come in and look around. It was mm-hmm. totally free. We anticipated that there might be up to three or 4,000 people who would choose to do that. That sounded like a huge number to me. That day, between 10 o'clock in the morning and 5 o'clock in the afternoon, there were 25,000 people who came through the doors of the Sprint Center just to look around. Wow! That says to me everything I need to know about community pride and how important an ingredient that is in causing a city to be alive.
0: Wow, that's incredible. 25,000 people walked through that arena that day. And nobody complained about parking. They found a place to park do Well, cars. they may have complained
1: about parking. I don't think they complained about the arena,
0: though. You, you did an interview about a year ago, and you said never stop when it comes to downtown and moving forward and, and whatnot. And now Kansas City has a new convention center hotel going in. We've got the light rail down there, the new airport's on the way. What's the next big project, save the baseball stadium, that we should be gearing up for in Kansas City?
1: I'm not sure what the next big project is. I think although all of those are so important, we need to remember that small and medium-sized businesses drive so much of our economy. So I think that the continuing expansion of the geography out from the downtown, both north of the river, east, south, west, is really all about, whether it's new technology companies, startups, uh, restaurants, boutique hotels, lots of residential options, including affordable housing units, all of that is important to have the richness that we identify typically with more urban areas
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I just want to see lots of those opportunities be responded to
0: you think we'll ever get a target downtown
1: well I don't know we'll have to see we managed <laughs> to hold on to the drugstore that was a major feat uh, at that time because yeah. CVS was getting ready to pull out of downtown totally just as we were beginning to get more people living downtown and so on. So we were able to overcome that obstacle.
0: Is that see- Go ahead.
1: It's just a matter of the synergy that people begin to grasp, begin to understand that we can do all of this. We can develop momentum. And one of the good things about momentum is you don't have to, Give it up. You can keep it going, Mm -hmm. which is what I'm delighted about witnessing at this point.
0: Do you think we should cap over the interstate and make that a park as people were talking about, kind of putting a lid on it like they did down in Dallas downtown?
1: One of the original people who was so high on that, I remember our conversations, was David Cordish because he understood from working with big cities Uh around the country and beyond that that was – Potentially the Park Avenue of Kansas City. So I understood it then, although it didn't seem possible at that time. I'm thrilled to see that being discussed at this point. It's perhaps, as you were alluding to, the next big step.
0: Maybe so. Maybe so. We, we always in this town, though, have an issue that, well, let's just say nobody else in America has to face. So that's state line. We've got the Kansas side and the Missouri side, and gosh, we've been fighting since the Civil War. Like, it just won't end, right? And people in Johnson County and on the Kansas side say, oh, I don't trust Missouri to use my tax dollars and things like that. How much does the state line hurt us as an overall city?
1: Certainly, the area where it hurts us perhaps the most is in the economic development issue of companies – being in Johnson County or Wyandot County, receiving some kinds of state incentives and maybe local to move across the state line and back and forth. I think there's growing recognition that we need to deal with that. And I heard a presentation by Bill Hall with the Hall Family Foundation just a few days ago talking about that. I don't remember the exact figures. It was in the... Up to I think 370 million dollars worth of exchanges back and forth the point he made that really has stuck with me is just think what a portion of that amount of money could do if it were added to our marketing efforts to companies around the country and around the world to come to Kansas City instead of spending so much money moving companies back and forth across state line. I am really hopeful that there can be additional momentum and that not only is that lessened, but that somehow we begin to plow more, more, more money into marketing Kansas City. We've got it all. It's a matter of letting people know
0: Do you think that we will ever see a bi-state tax again in this town?
1: I have no idea. It would really be so situational. It would be so dependent on what it would be for. The buy-in from elected officials, the buy-in from community leaders, business leaders, the general population, the list goes on and on. It's not impossible. Mm -hmm. And yet it is a steep hill to climb.
0: I've always said and and I make things sound so much easier because I deal with sports all the time. I'm like, let's just do this. It sounds easy, right? Let's just make it a district. Let's just call us the district of Kansas City and secede both from Kansas and Missouri and be like Washington, DC, and Johnson and Wyandotte and Cass and Clay and Jackson just kind of all come together and let's just form our own district and work together of doing things and I, and I think that would create a greater kind of Kansas City than having to fight over the state line and worry about what side of the state line you're on. Is that realistic or not?
1: Well I would recommend that you be in charge of that effort Okay. <laughs> because I'm joking because I think it would be almost impossible to do. The A major reason for that is that on the Kansas side Johnson and Wyandotte counties are critical to the financial well-being of the state of Kansas. Mm -hmm. On the Missouri side, Kansas City and the Missouri towns around it are critical to the financial viability of the state of Missouri. Having said that, I think it would be very possible to augment and strengthen the regional efforts that, have already been underway and continue, whether that's the Kansas City Area Development Council, Mid-America Regional Council, those are just two examples of relatively successful regional efforts already. So it might not be in the official realm, as you're suggesting. It certainly could be rather unofficial and yet very meaningful.
0: Because I look at it I've obviously again from the sports perspective. I want that downtown stadium. I don't want to hear that it's not going to work and it can't work. I want to hear everybody say yes we're we're supporting this downtown stadium. Let's all get together both Johnson County, Wyandotte County and the, and the counties on the Missouri side and let's all help fund something like this together because it's great for the region. I still think in this town we spend too much time and I'm as guilty as anybody with my buddies who live in Missouri. Haha, ha, your roads stink. Our potholes have been fixed and all this kind of stuff. We still find ourselves leaning towards one side of the state line or the other instead of what's best for everybody. And I hear it from people I live next to in Johnson County. Why am I going to give my money to Missouri? They don't know what to do with. Look what they did with the Union Station. And you always get that kind of Yeah, but, in look, in at your face. but look at Union it. Station. Great, right? <laughs> right. It's wonderful. We go down there a couple times a year with the kids. Every time there's a, an exhibit, we take the kids, we go to that. I don't have a problem spending money to make our region better as a whole. And I just don't know how to get that across to everybody. That Yeah, you may be giving your money to quote-unquote Missouri, but you're making your city better by building what's necessary to take us to the next level.
1: I agree with you. I think it is sometimes a tough sell. However, you need to keep talking about it. Uh, I certainly continue to talk about it. I just have to tell you, though, related to potholes, mm-hmm. there are 7,000 lane miles within the city limits of Kansas City, Missouri. So you really got to compare that yeah. against a few hundred miles sure. in any, per- perhaps almost any place in Kansas. So well, our
0: schools are better than yours too. Like it that it, it, oh, it saying, You know, it, there's always something of why like I just want everybody to work together and I feel like sometimes and, and you probably know, you're blue in the face talking about it, you know?
1: Well, as you said, we all have our biases. I'm a KU graduate mm-hmm. so I'm always on the side of the Jayhawks. I have to say I'm excited for K State. Yeah because I think it's good for the Big 12 to have a kind of different set of circumstances, certainly with Texas Tech also. So we'll see how the Big 12 tournament goes, and we'll also see how things develop beyond that for basketball. So I think in a way, I know I felt as mayor, I know what it feels like in your own head to, on the one hand, be responsible for and committed to a particular city, Kansas City, Missouri, and at the same time be very aware of a responsibility toward the region and to be open to working with cities in Missouri and in Kansas. So so that dual kind of tension I think uh, is there and perhaps always will be there to some extent.
0: You seem to have the ability to communicate and get things across to folks who may not be on board with what you want. I have a hard time doing that. Somebody says a downtown baseball stadium is bad. I go, why? What do you know? Like, I want to, boom, fire back. How were you able to do that, keep your cool, and just to keep kind of moving forward when you face so much, no, we can't do this, we can't do that. Because for a long time, Kansas City was that way. Oh, we can't, we can't, we can't but for some reason you were able to power through all that. How were you able to do that?
1: I didn't do it alone, and that's really important for me to say because it's 100% true. There was leadership in the private sector at that time, business leadership, and others who recognized the need and were very supportive of working with me. We had a city council that, by and large, uh, came on board were supportive there were there was leadership at City Hall the, the story goes on and on mm-hmm. so granted my role was a unique one as the mayor I needed to be a kind of cheerleader I was a cheerleader before <laughs> and I loved doing that so that was a role that was comfortable for me there needed to be somebody who kept saying, we will get this done, we will get this done. And then hundreds, even more, numbers of people made it happen.
0: You know, you mentioned marketing Kansas City and you were talking about Bill Hall going out there and marketing Kansas City to a a world, basically. How much does the new airport now help us have that ability to sell Kansas City?
1: We've got to get that done. Uh, I know I am so uncomfortable when I go to the airport now particularly the interior and see how much in need it is of not just refurbishing we need to start from scratch I know a lot of people have questioned that and yet from my perspective I think it's absolutely necessary so I'm delighted that ground will now be broken and we're underway it will be a major positive improvement in marketing Kansas City to tourists and conventioners, to bolstering our air travel routes. Uh, it's needed, and it's so interesting to me. Whenever I go to the airport, I am so taken by how beautiful the entry is off of I-29 The rolling hills, the lake, it is beautiful, more attractive than the entry to any other airport in this country that I've ever been to. And I think to myself, to have at the end of that Rainbow Drive, a beautiful new airport will be terrific. Everything's there except the building.
0: And and that, I guess, is going to help also hopefully secure us a World Cup bid and be one of the cities is the airport and somebody was saying the other day that if that didn't happen we would be out of the running for the World Cup just that alone how many other things do you think we've missed out on because we didn't update the airport sooner?
1: The only feedback I've gotten about that directly is from our convention and tourism people Mm -hmm. that it has become a factor Uh, I think it certainly is for businesses from other parts of the country or the world exploring different cities to locate or relocate. It's really tough for them to land at our airport, go through the airport interior, and then kind of feel rejuvenated about, well, that that didn't work. That, that certainly was not impressive. Mm-hmm. that That's pretty drab. And then be able to be re-energized in going in to look at locations around the region to relocate their people and their operations.
0: Do you think someday we'll have light rail from the airport to downtown?
1: I think it's doubtful, although it may be possible in the long run one of the reasons I say it may be doubtful is because the federal government has really backed off from major investments in any kind of light rail and there would be arguments made against that particular route because of it not being heavily populated So. We'll see. I think it's doubtful.
0: What, what about light rail in general in Kansas City? We've got the streetcar. It's expanded now. What's kind of the next step in, in all of that?
1: I think at this point the expansion of the streetcar is really the approach that warrants the time, energy, and investments. I would like to see as rapidly as possible those extensions into the eastern part of the city independence boulevard perhaps 18th street whatever the routes might be mm-hmm. that's where the highest concentration of public transit people live so i'm a little uncomfortable with those areas not being addressed more quickly than they are
0: you you you've we're talking a lot during your days about peer cities and where we rank. Where are we now with our peer cities compared to when you took over back in 1999?
1: I think it depends totally on what you're comparing. In other words, there have been some great identifications of Kansas City and top peer cities around the country related to entrepreneurialism, mm-hmm. related to uh new tech companies, I think somebody told me the other day, and I have to qualify it, I'd have to go back and check, but that Kansas City is the only large to very large city in the United States where women make more money than men, which is kind of an interesting statistic. Mm -hmm. Again, I'd have to go back and check. That is what I was told by someone who should know. So there's more and more recognition of our wonderful arts and culture community, the tremendous venues we have. All of that, I think, is getting the word out. So whether it's in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times, there is more and more attention periodically being given to Kansas City and what is here. It's always fascinating when people come here for the first time. You've heard it. Mm -hmm. I've heard it time and time again. Oh, I had no idea that Kansas City was what it is. This is fabulous. What a great place to live.
0: And how big of a smile do you get knowing, I have a small part in that?
1: I get a big smile.
0: (laughs) Hey, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. I enjoyed talking with
0: you. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with the former mayor, Kay Barnes, of Kansas City. And you can see how Kay Barnes truly made a difference and took our city to the next level. And without Kay Barnes, who knows where Kansas City would be today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?